0: Welcome to the ARRIVE podcast, the U.S. immigration law podcast for Canadians. I'm your host, Jeremy Richards, along with fellow U.S. immigration lawyer, Christine Jerusik. Today, we're going to be talking about what is required when you apply for a TN visa or TN visa status at a U.S. port of entry or pre-flight inspection point. Many individuals applying for TNs want to know what they need to bring with them what does that package look like what do i have to have with me when i show up to that port of entry for the officer to be able to review my documents and make a decision on whether or not i can receive tn status right there on the spot and that's a great question when you go online and you and you google this either through cbp or other sources that you find the list is actually very deceiving as to what you need to bring. For example, it says proof of citizenship and an offer letter. Well, that's typically not going to be sufficient for the documentation required when you're applying for TN status at a port of entry. So, we're going to go into a little more detail as to what that really means and what they really want to see when you show up at a port of entry. The first thing that they're going to look at and most people can check this off rather easily is your citizenship. In order to qualify for TN status, you need to be either a Canadian or Mexican citizen. And here we're going to be talking about Port of Entry applications that applies to Canadian citizens. So you need to have proof that you're a Canadian citizen, a valid passport, proof that you're a Canadian citizen. Now, we need to clarify here, you cannot be a permanent resident of Canada. You have to yeah, they be don't a qualify. citizen. So without that passport proving that you're a Canadian citizen, you're not going to qualify for TN status yet. You need to wait until you've actually become a a Canadian citizen to apply uh, for TN status at a port of entry. And you need to pay attention as well to the validity of your passport. And that's important because they cannot issue a visa or status at the port of entry beyond the duration of your passport. So if your passport expires in six months, However, you want a three-year TN visa, they will they can approve you for the entire three-year time period, but they can only stamp you to the end of your passport. And that can be that can raise a complication because that'll mean they stamp you for they'll approve you for that three-year time period. You'll stamp you for six months because that's when your passport expires. That means you're gonna have to make another trip back to the port of entry in six months to get the remaining two and a half years after you extend your passport. So a bit of advice is to make sure that your passport is valid for the entire duration of the TN status that you're looking for. And in some cases, you know, if you're going to miss out on six months at the end or a year at the end, um, then you might want to just go ahead and get that TN and then go back in in two years and get the the remaining time period. You don't have to be re-adjudicated for that remaining time period. You just need to show that your passport was extended. So proof of citizenship, number one the second. And this is probably one where there's the most confusion I would say as to what is required because when you when you research what is required, they say job offer. You need a job offer from a US employer or a US client. That's that's really all it says. Now, when we talk about a job offer, what's it, what what does a job offer typically include? Think about a job offer. A job offer is going to say, "Hey Christine, I'm giving you an offer of employment" for, and I'll use one that, that comes up a lot, and let's say as a product manager working in in the IT field, it'll say your name, the position they're offering, for, offering to you, and then some general, you know. Yeah,
1: usually your salary.
0: Benefits and things that they're gonna include yeah. in that job offer. That is not sufficient. Even though CBP says show up with the job offer and we'll approve you. Yeah, the
1: standard job offer does not meet the requirements um, of a TN application job offer so you have to be careful make sure that it has all of the requirements in it um, before you submit it to the officer because what they'll do is they'll look at it and they'll just say oh this isn't this doesn't have the information we need or this support letter this this job offer doesn't meet the requirements come back when you have one that does
0: and we don't even refer to them as job offer letters when we do our applications we actually refer to them as a support letter and for good for good reason because a job offer is very limited in the details it includes because it's just an offer of employment to you the letter that the border requires and that we refer to as a support letter must contain much more detail than a job offer letter would for example it has to reference the profession under the USMCA that you're applying under most offer letters are for some internal title yeah they, if it's doesn't, at a bank you're vice president of something for yeah. sure <laughs> which doesn't really correlate to a, a profession under USMCA product manager is an infamous one for IT professionals and could lead to almost an immediate denial if they see product manager because that's not a USMCA profession um, you get individuals who may be higher up in an organization and they may have director titles and things of that nature that could be problematic as well so you need to make sure that the when you're presenting the letter at the port of entry, that that letter indicates a profession that's an actual profession under the USMCA. And a little bit of clarification there. A lot of people get confused because they think that they have to apply under the internal title that they've been given by their employer. Well, an internal title... Is just a designation maybe by HR or the company. That's That's all that is. When you're applying for a visa, however, you need to match up your title or your position at your company with the corresponding profession under the USMCA or the visa classification. That's what you're really doing. You need to match it up to the appropriate USMCA profession, and that's what you apply under. Can you reference your internal title? Sure, in in some cases you can, but you cannot apply under an internal title unless your internal title is accountant.
1: Economist.
0: Or economist, (laughs) something that's a clear match to the USMCA. Otherwise, you need to work with your employer to make sure that that title matches one under the USMCA. And going beyond the title, job offers typically don't include a detailed bullet point list of duties either. They say, we want you to work as a computer systems analyst. Okay. Or
1: those duties may not be the kind of duties that are going to help the officer understand what your role is. So it may say things like, um, you know, must be a team player. Yeah. Those are the, those are the, those (laughs) are the
0: worst duties ever. And they all say that. What's that
1: mean? Yeah.
0: Doesn't help you understand what the profession is. That's
1: for sure. No, and so things like that that you typically come along with plays a, well with others. Yeah, <laughs> those kind of duties um, will you know not help the officer to understand what you're actually going to be doing on a day to day basis. Um, they want to see what you're hands-on role is at the company so those those you know if you come with those kind of duties um you know even if you just have a few of those thrown in it can be misleading and and yeah, let's they're ambiguous doesn't yeah it doesn't and they don't anything. they don't help the application so sometimes it's important to make sure that those are vetted properly before you go
0: and again those duties must align with a profession under the usmca so if you're coming to work as a computer systems analyst, they want to see that you're performing duties that a computer systems analyst would typically perform. And there are resources that you can refer to to find those that we use when we help clients uh, draft these letters to make sure that, it's, that it is in line with the profession under the, the USMCA. And some officers may even go to the extent of saying, hey, you know what? I know you gave me these five duties, but I want to know the percentage of time that you dedicate to each of these duties too. And on the spot, they're at the port of entry, they can make you write down your percentage of time.
1: And especially if they identify some duties that may not typically fall under what they expect that profession to be doing, they're gonna wanna make sure that that's a minimal part of your your day-to-day duties and and not something, you know, you're gonna be focusing on so that they can approve you.
0: Exactly, so computer systems analyst comes to mind. Because if a computer systems analyst is doing programming, they do not qualify as a computer systems analyst. It could be a programmer, unless less. And the the rule of thumb that we use here is um, typically less than ten percent. As long as less than ten percent of your duties are programming in nature, then they'll they'll still accept you as a computer and systems analyst. And the same analyst.
1: can be said for any profession with respect to management level duties. So any managing that you're doing needs to be a minimal part of your day to day occupation. You can't uh-huh.
0: be graduated from the profession. That's how typically what I tell people. So, for example, a lawyer, you have to be doing lawyer duties still. If you are graduated to, you know, the the partner of the firm, and you no longer practice law the at managing all, managing
1: partner who's only managing and not practicing law,
0: and doesn't practice law at all. Yeah, you're not a lawyer, so they could deny you.
1: Well, you're still a lawyer, but from the perspective of a border not, officer, you're not, not a lawyer for the USMCA. under the TN, TN profession. Correct.
0: So you gotta be careful about those things. In addition to the duties, they need a definitive time period for which you are applying for the visa. And employers sometimes have issue with this too because they see it as a contract. Oh, we can't sign that because that's a contract. Well, it's not a contract because they need to know the time period for which they're going to approve the visa. That's what you're doing. You're requesting a time period for the visa. And for a, Tn it can be anywhere from one day to a maximum of three years, but that has to be indicated on that support letter as well. And in addition to that, how much you're going to get paid? What is your salary? Is it hourly? Is it an annual salary? That has to be indicated on the support letter as well. Those are some of the major things that a support letter must include. And one of the final
1: things, for and you a support have to letter, be careful with that salary too. So we've seen where the salary's too low. In fact, it's an entry-level position, and perhaps it's maybe even the type of position that's more of an internship for a profession. Uh, and the officers question whether or not this is a professional-level occupation if you're, your yeah. salary is too low, below what they would expect to see for that profession. So you have to be careful and be able to explain that, you know, if it is an intern position, you can say, this is my, you know, starting. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. If
0: institution of higher education, those may yeah, justify a lower sense. wage. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're working for a private company, And you're an accountant making 50% of what a normal accountant would make, then that could, yeah, that could raise an issue. Right. It's a red flag. And computer systems professions as well. They know these professions. You, You need to remember that these officers review hundreds of these applications a week, if not thousands, depending on the port of entry they're at. So they know. And they can see, you know, things in those applications and they can point out discrepancies. Yeah, trends
1: in, in salaries and, and they... It's crazy how much they know just yeah. by
0: reviewing applications. And it just brings a story to mind here in, in when we used to go to the border here in Buffalo that I was doing an application for a physicist. And the border officer said, oh, I know a little bit about physics. And he started quoting all these articles and these authors and these... And my client, I sat down with my client afterward and the client said, man, that guy knows this stuff. And, I said, yeah. and it was about physics. So you'll
1: be surprised what these officers do
0: and don't know just because they review so many of these. So you need to be careful.
1: And they'll actually choose an officer yes, um, based on their experience and what they know in order to have them reviewing people that they're familiar with their profession or they're familiar with what they're doing.
0: Yeah. They'll tap the next one. Hey, you take this one. You, you you know this one well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know a bit about what nurses do come over here and let's talk to, you can talk to this one. And remember some of these officers have had former professions.
0: Right. One, another one here in in the Buffalo area used to work for, um, some of the big IT companies. Yeah. (laughs) So whenever an IT, uh, application comes across his desk he loves it because he knows what they do well those are he hard to ones too it.
1: because typically the job duties with an it profession can be very uh not in layman's terms yeah so to speak so and that's another key point make it so the officer can understand
0: what you're talking about
1: yeah if acronyms it, and abbreviations are, are difficult for them to understand so the better the more you can spell it out in layman's terms the easier and, it short is and sweet for them to, to the point too right?
0: right we see a lot of our support letter typically is two pages at the most. We see some of these support letters are drafted six pages long with a lot of fluff and extra things that are not necessary. The officer wants to be able to identify the key factors quickly so they can make a decision. If they have to read a novel to determine whether or not you're going to be approved for the visa.
1: Well, chances are they're going they to, they're going to maybe miss some of the more important points because they're buried in a lot of information that is unnecessary.
0: I've seen them turn people away. Say, no, come back with a better letter. We don't want to deal with this. And they yep. tell them that just come back with a better written letter.
1: Yeah. And for example, something that, that shouldn't be in your letter is, uh, you know, a review of of your credentials yes. beyond what you what your education or your lot. experience yes. is. Um, explaining how you fit into their organization and why they need your skills.
0: That's not a qualifying factor for a TN visa.
1: It is not. So that if you that's, have a bachelor's in computer science, all
0: you need to do is present your bachelor's in computer science if you're a computer systems analyst and you're you're approvable. You don't need to talk about how amazing you are as a computer systems analyst right
1: and we i mean so it, it can be a little misleading because some officers do when they're reviewing this do take the position that this person who's applying it you know could be taking a job away from an american but that's not the not standard they're supposed to be using in order to make this determination so you shouldn't have to prove in your letter how you um, uniquely qualify correct to work for this there's employer. no
0: recruitment requirement um, for a tn visa Um, And then the final thing on support letters that I'd like to throw in is what kind of letter do you present? Can it be an email? Can it be electronic signature? Can it be a copy? What what do they expect you to present at the port of entry?
1: A picture on your phone? A picture on your phone? (laughs)
0: Like, what is it? Because we see all sorts of those these days, right, with technology. Well, they are old school at the port of entry. That means they want a ink, wet ink signature is what we talk Wet ink on official U.S. company letterhead. That's it. Now, do they make exceptions sometimes? Sure. But in general, you better have that. Original letter on company letterhead with a wet ink signature, which means you need to add a couple days to this process for some people because they may have to send it via priority international mail to you if you're in Canada waiting for that. Uh, it, you may they may want you to start right right away, but if you show up with a with an email copy or electronic signature that's not original, they'll turn you away. Uh, so make We've sure you have a lot of times, yeah. a lot. Then. After the job offer, um, they're also going to be looking at your credentials. That's one of the other factors. And I keep referring to computer systems analysts because that's one of the ones we see the most. But you need to have your credentials with you. What are credentials? Credentials would be copies of your degrees. And I'll rephrase that, not copies, your original degrees. They expect you to bring your original diploma, even if it's in that gigantic frame. You take it off your wall you carry it in they're used to seeing it they want to see the original not a copy and uh if there are let's say there's a lot of degrees out there that say you just have a bachelor's of science and it doesn't say a concentration in those cases you better have your corresponding transcripts as well so the officer can determine what is your degree of specialization
1: and some some diplomas in canada are issued in latin so We've seen where they don't want to accept the Latin version. You need to have a translation of that diploma as well with you so the officer knows what it says if they don't speak Latin.
0: If you have any certificates, diplomas, degrees, English? Only. Only. Mm-hmm.
1: Or translation.
0: If it's from North America, they'll accept it. it's from outside of North America, you also need to get a degree evaluation so saying that your your diploma, your degree, whatever it might be, is equivalent to that in in the United States as well. So if you have a, ba- a four-year bachelor's degree from um, Pakistan, well, that must be accompanied by a degree evaluation, equating it to a four-year degree in the United States. And we're not gonna get into the specifics of what qualifies you for each profession, but that, yeah, that can get really tricky um, as to what degrees qualify and which ones don't. But if it's outside of North America, because remember, the USMCA covers, united states canada mexico so the rules that apply are for north america so if you're coming from a third country outside of that then you need to have proof that w- your credentials qualify uh, as equivalent to those uh, and we talked American about that in
1: another podcast earlier
0: yeah so make sure you have those original credentials just like the original support letter you better have your original degrees uh, your original certificates, diplomas, licenses with you as it's, proof. It's
1: not just uh, your your education. It's also your experience that you need to prove as well. So, so your resume? Typically, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so no right. is the answer, so, right? So
1: your experience isn't best demonstrated by your resume. Resumes are considered to be self-serving because you can really put anything you want in there. And you're creating it yourself you know, to highlight your accomplishments and your experience as it meets the requirements, hopefully. So it's something that's good to have with you in many cases. And if the officer asks to see it, you can present it, but not as normally considered part of the evidence of your um, qualifications for the TN occupation. Um, More more importantly, you should have with you former employer letters to detail your experience. And uh, those should be, um, you know, pretty well-framed letters as well. So simple letters saying, you know, John worked here from, you know, 2018 to 2020, isn't gonna satisfy the requirement. He's They're gonna have to detail what you did there, um, you know, the, the entire time that you worked there, whether you were full-time, part-time, things like that.
0: Yeah, your dates of employment, the duties you performed, all of that must be in that letter. And it has to be signed. And it has to be current. Some officers will accept old letters, but there's some officers, if that letter is dated, they'll tell you to go back and come back with a more updated copy of that. Um, And unlike the support letter, they typically don't require an original of these letters. You should have it just in case, but a lot of these letters are sent electronically. And for former employer letters, we see them accept those. So the proof is what's important there. Again, a resume is self-serving it is not proof of experience only those former employer letters meet that requirement And for some professions like a management consultant if you don't have education and you're relying solely on those letters you better have a detailed letter that covers exactly to the day the minimum years required so for a management consultant five years if you're a day under they'll deny you or if that letter is not specific enough or tied to your consulting arrangement they'll deny you as well. So those letters must cover the exact time frame that's required and contain enough detail so that the officer can make that determination as to whether or not you do have the qualifying uh, experience for that role. And then going back to credentials, sometimes not only do you have to have proof of your own credentials, but you have to have proof of your supervisor's credentials. So if you're applying for, as a scientific technician technologist, for example, Mm and you're reporting to an engineer. Well, you need to have proof that the person you're reporting to is in fact an engineer or a, as an engineer by degree or by license. You don't have to have their original in that case, you just need a copy, but you, you need to make sure you have proof of your supervisor's um, credentials as well. And then the final thing that they, they look at, and this one is most often not a factor, um, but it can be, you need to be careful. And that's your intent, and this comes up a lot when you talk about TN mm-hmm. visa status. Is what is your intent, right? Um, an intent for immigration purposes is a, is a big deal. Everybody that comes to a port of entry in the United States is considered an intending immigrant, and it is the burden is upon you as the applicant to show that your intent is in fact not immigrant. Unless you have the right paperwork to come in. then you're
1: only planning to stay in the U.S. on a temporary basis and that your plan is when your temporary time is over, you're going to return to your home country.
0: Exactly. If you come up to the border and you say, hey, I'm applying for a TN visa status as an accountant and I'm joining my U.S. citizen wife and kids in the United States and I plan on staying, they will deny you. Why? Because you just expressed intent to come and reside permanently in the United States. TN status doesn't grant you the ability to do that. Right. So when you're at that port of entry, you're applying for TN status, you need to make it clear that it's temporary, that you're coming in just for this position. Can your intent change in the future? Sure, it can. And we could go. We could have a whole nother discussion about TN status to green card. Can you do it? Yes, you can, but you have to do it correctly. You have to express your intent intent at the right times in the process. If you do that, then it is possible. Applying for a TN at a port of entry is the wrong time to declare your intent to come to the United States on a green card or permanently.
1: Yeah, and you recently had a client who um, unawares (laughs) expressed his intent at the border. He wasn't applying for a TN, he was applying for another status but he's caused himself all kinds of trouble with this process now um, by just simply expressing to the officer that he was intending to stay or eventually wanted to apply for a green card.
0: Showing up, and and one one of the things that we often tell clients is when you apply, go by yourself. Don't show up with your spouse, children, U-Haul, cars, pets, when you apply for the visa. You should be doing it yourself. Once you get the visa, Then you can take care of those other arrangements because if you show up with some of those things, they can assume uh, certain things like maybe you're immigrating to the United States when you shouldn't be. And
1: yeah, and don't start talking about how you just sold your house in Canada and you can't wait to buy a new house in the U.S. And because if you're not maintaining your residence in Canada, that's a reason for them to think that you may never go back there.
0: Selling your house in and of itself, you can do that, but you're right. If you're saying you can't, you wait might not want to. Wanna, you to might not want to make States, that the topic of discussion of the day. No, that's <laughs> for another time. And that's that's another thing when you're applying for TN status at a port of entry. Yes, no answers. When they're asking you questions, they're going to let you know what they want to know about you. Answer those questions directly. People, I think, oftentimes hurt themselves because they say way too much and things that are not required. And the officer doesn't even want to know. But if you start bringing things up, the officer might hear something, a red flag goes off, and then all of a sudden you go off on a tangent that leads to the refusal or denial of your visa right. because you said way too much and disclosed things that really weren't relevant to the application process.
1: Right. And you, I mean, th- these decisions are being made at the discretion of the officer you're dealing with. so have a we, lot of discretion. Right. They have a lot of discretion. So don't assume you're gonna get approved, even if all your paperwork's in order and everything seems great. You know, don't be cavalier about the process. You need to take it seriously and and make sure you respond properly to to you know the questions. And 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 if you are denied, you know, that can cause a, a wrench in your work. So well obviously you won't it's a be able to permanent record, right? Yeah. You won't be able to take your job start your job when you planned because now your process is either delayed or Maybe even if, depending on what you've said or presented at the border, you may not be able to go back there to make a new application. So you've got to be careful.
0: Yeah. And once you apply, people say, oh, well, they just, they turned me away. They didn't take a statement or anything. Guess what? They always take a statement. There's a record. They will write that in the notes. And when you go back again, no matter what port you go to, they're going to pull it up and it's going to be in there. So, yes, a record is always created. I would say the top three reasons, and these are my top three, they may be different for Christine, but my mm-hmm. top three reasons why a TN is refused at a port of entry or denied is I think the easiest one for an officer is you're just not qualified. And that could be because you're not a Canadian citizen, your job's not a, not a USMCA profession, you don't have the right credentials, you're just not qualified. Uh, the second reason would be because… Um,
1: the occupation… Doesn't meet TN requirements.
0: Yes. And, but uh, another one would be you express your intent to come to the United States um, mm-hmm. and it's permanent that you, oh, yeah, after this, I want to get a green card. And another one is bad advice. People get very bad advice for TN professions. And uh, they may get advice from somebody saying, oh, you qualify. Maybe it's another attorney. Or they
1: may get advice on Google. Friend. We get a lot of calls from, Google. from people that say, oh, I know what I'm doing. I've already Googled this and, and I just need to have a couple questions before I go.
0: And, a, and the final one I would say is they had a TN in the past.
1: Overconfidence.
0: Or they were approved and they shouldn't have been.
1: Yes, we've seen that You'd be surprised
0: too. how many times people get approved in the past or got approved in the past that if you go now with especially with the border it is now and how much time they have on their hands they catch things that they may have missed in the past or your profession your degree doesn't match the profession simple things like that where we see these cases that were approved in the past and it boggles my mind how they were approved
1: i know i had well i i this one didn't boggle my mind how it was approved it was a hotel manager who had um, not only a North American degree in hotel management, but a higher degree from from Europe in hotel management. He'd been a hotel manager his whole life and was applying as a hotel manager for his second TN, um, just renewing. And the officer caught that the school that he had graduated from was somehow not credentialed in the way that they wanted. So his credentials fell through the, the hole and they said, sorry, we can't qualify. We can't approve you for a TN because this all these diplomas you have aren't from credentialed schools, so he had to do a lot of legwork in order to find a evaluation company that was able to provide him with an evaluation to say that his degree was equivalent to a North American school, um, his foreign degree. Uh, so you know we were able to cure the issue after some some you know research and some looking into it and and finding a proper company to do this, but. That assumption, I mean, he went there very cavalier, expecting to be approved a second time. And we we always tell people, take this seriously. You know, there may be something, if, if the officer finds something wrong with your application, you know, you got to be careful with that. So
0: and that's one of the worst assumptions you can make is I had this in the past. Right. It's going to be a walk in the park. I have documents I used before or I'm relying on documents. I don't a need an evaluation. This
1: one worked before. Why would I need it now? Yeah,
0: get denied all the time. Officers, I think they they have badges that they pass around to each other. Hey, I just denied a guy who had a TN three (laughs) times before. They love it. They love turning away people that have had a TN previously. Some of
1: them are like detectives. They just really dig into it to see whether or not You're qualified, and they're very happy to find a reason to deny you. So don't give them one. And we talk about this all the time,
0: right? That the standard they should apply at the port of entry is what's called the preponderance of the evidence. So if the preponderance of the evidence is in your favor, they should approve you. But the standard they really use is what you just said, and that is can I find anything, any reason, (laughs) just one little thing to refuse, and they refuse, which is wrong. But they have that discretion, and they can do it. And I just had another one on this – uh same exact topic he was applying for his third tn as computer systems analyst we got him approved in the past miraculously this time i advised i said you know what your chances of approval are very slim you're you're probably going to get denied because your credentials are not a clear match Mm -hmm. he wanted to proceed anyway so The advice was, let's do this by mail because at the border, they'd just outright reject you. At least by mail, we can make the argument that your credentials are a a match. Degree in business administration, applying as a computer systems analyst. Not a match at all. So we made an argument because he wanted to. We advised him, you're probably going to deny. Guess what? He was denied. Even though two years previously or two times previously, he was approved. Why? they're applying a more strict interpretation of the rules that's what we're seeing and where they gave a little bit of uh you know leniency in the past they're not now if you don't fit in that box and it's not a clear match you're going to get refused or denied so be careful don't fall don't fall into the trap thinking that you've had it before i'm going to get it again thank you for joining us today if you haven't already Please subscribe where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Give us a thumbs up and a five-star rating. And most importantly, tune in next time to the ARRIVE podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians.